Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Minivan Med Podcast. Today we are talking about the internet, how to stay focused. You just turn it off. And we're also talking, we're taking some viewer mail. Uh, somebody writes in to minivanmen at gmail.com and we answer the questions. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Minivan Men Podcast. I am Al Madrigal with Chris Spencer and Maz Jubrani. And tonight we're talking about, first up, the internet. Uh, we want to talk about, it's just a very, I mean, it really does, now it's a major part of your life. And I have friends, Neil Brennan, um, I know, who turns it off. He has the child protection thing on it, so he actually shuts it off. I didn't even know he had kids. He doesn't. He turns it off for himself. Turns it off for himself. He is the kid. He's the kid who can't resist it because it's just, it, it distracts you so much. But he, can does, he, but he they, does realize he can turn it back on. <laughs> yeah, I just said, but then can't he just well, turn no, it back he, on? You know what? He had, he, did, he had Dove David offset the password protection on it, so he doesn't know how to turn it back on. Um, and, so so listen to what he does. So he got the whatever McAfee protector on his computer because he wants to write and he wants to be productive during the day. So he allows himself, I think, up to 9.30 a.m., to have internet, and then it turns back on at 5.30 p.m., and oh, he can have internet. That's genius. But during the day, during working hours, no internet. Now, I've come... But he's got a BlackBerry, so the emails come through there. The emails come through there. So that's exactly what's his point, and that he doesn't need to be on the internet, because it just distracts you so much. And we've all done this, where you just, you're on one website, and then you're on this, and you're on this, and... Especially when you're writing. Exactly, and you should be more productive, and you should be writing jokes or whatever you're. Uh, yeah, procrastination out there. used to be. Uh, a, there was a little more effort involved. You almost had to be good at good at procrastinating. Now you don't have to be good at it. It just kind of stumbles. You sort of get lost in this whole world. That uh, I mean, and you, it almost gives you the illusion that you're being productive too, doesn't that? Well, that's always. See, that's that's almost the definition of procrastination. Because I remember when I was in college, it was like, okay, I got to write this paper. And there's other bunch of other people writing papers. We're gonna do some dusting. Yeah, well, let's sit around. Let's right. we get some coffee and we start, we start a conversation. And we just start talking. You know, we're talking about this. My mind is writing the paper. That's what I'm telling myself. <laughs> My mind is getting ready to write the paper. So we're gonna converse and have some coffee and like, oh, you hungry? Let's go down the street and get a pizza. Discuss you know, it more further. Discuss it some further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like five in the morning, you start writing the paper for, See, for nine a.m. I get class. distracted most. I built this home office and I really did do it myself. I had a handyman come. But I worked with, you know, we, as we know close, you did it yourself as close because these guys know I'm very thrifty. <laughs> so uh, this handyman comes over, Josh, we build this uh, uh, detached garage, shelves, desk, now internet free because it doesn't, my signal doesn't travel out there. And I purposely haven't gone through it. It'd be very simple for me to connect my wireless right. out there. So I left it without the internet, but I get distracted by all of the home projects that I have. And that's another thing. It's like, oh, I look outside and the kids' bikes are all over the place, so I'll just start fixing up their bikes and stuff like that. I've lost myself in home repair and crap like that. I just get distracted. But I'm so easily, I'm a mess. Yeah, like, I don't I, know how people write books, you know, and like and like that, you know, the, the whole thing of like, let me go. Even if I went to the woods, I'd find something to do. Sure, I'd go chop wood. Yeah. I'd go outside and <laughs> I would mm, chop wood. Yeah. Is there an axe over there? I've got to live the experience I before I write about it. <laughs> I'm a mess. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I get lost on the internet constantly. And now I'm really worried. So if you look up internet addiction and you Google internet addiction, which is something I did when I was wasting time on the internet, <laughs> I... Saw a picture of yourself? Yeah, no, it's just me. 
<laughs> computer, no sleep. I think my wife is like she's shopping for stuff constantly and looking at oh, things yeah. and dresses. And We're shit. all addicted. No, my wife too. My wife is always. Is your wife on the computer? Oh my god! I'll let you finish talking. Well, she. My wife's like checking out like the uh, the the celebrity gossip pages. Absolutely. And o OMG. And, yeah, and, and shoes and all like clothes and stuff, and it's fine. I get on looking there. At stuff she can't afford. It will never have. Yeah, and like I, looking at and like I I come on there'll be pictures of like of people I have no idea who they are. They're like right. they're on Gossip Girl or you know what I'm saying and something. Sure. I'm like, who are these? A million people? different windows. I also That's awesome. Uh oh. No, that's just the That was screen. a nice that was a friendly scream. I'm not sure if you picked that up, Jorge, but uh that was friendly fire right there. I looked over thinking that someone had fallen and their head was split open, but no, that's just that's two guys hanging out. That's my son screaming. So the uh, problem, I look at real estate. I look, I go on Zillow.com. I used to do that all the time. And I look, and I look the at comps in the neighborhood. You can zoom in on people's backyards. Yeah. I'm looking at square footage uh, property and lots near my house. I'm like, oh, that's a 25,000 square foot lot over there. It's like an idiot. Why am I, I do, doing I do. I don't know if you guys. Uh, so I go. I go on. I still check email, which which is interesting. Some people. Some like. The, first of all, that's it, how the, it starts. You start by checking. But email. No, but first of all, the, I think that I think that um, the, the inter, it, technology's moving so fast. There's kids like kids, mean like high school kids and stuff, don't even have email. Like they just go straight to Facebook or whatever the new thing is. Right. Like like you know, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. you, I'll email you. No, no, right. Facebook, Facebook me. Facebook me. What? So I'll do the email. Then I got two Facebook personal accounts that are kind of older now. Then right. I got my fan page. I'm on that. Now I'm on Twitter. And then I go and Google myself. And then <laughs> you this like, thing, you, I like you, don't you? I just want to see what's out there. I'm trying not to Google myself. Uh, Greg Giraldo told me never to do that. So never Google yourself. It's just, it doesn't I do matter. It, I do it more out of... Uh, Seeing who's promoting you? Or no, just like to see if like, just see if like there's like an article that I interviewed for and I forgot what it was. And I'm like, oh, I wonder how that turned so out. So many articles coming out. You don't know which one's going to be out at any point. That's how I roll, man. <laughs> you know, I got... I, You're Mars. I'm in the media, man. <laughs> you know, if there's, that's you got to deal with. So I, I just think there's a lot of negative stuff, too, that you don't want to churn up. Oh, absolutely. Well, I used to... Well, that started when I first... Have you guys ever gone to YouTube and read the comments? Yeah. Uh, that's that. I learned that lesson early because I've read my first, the first YouTube when it first started coming out. I started reading the comments, and the first few were really good, and then and then they started getting exactly. nasty. Yes, oh, and then they brutal. started fighting each other. Then they started like, call, you that. know, yeah. and I, I was like, oh, these people are just crazy. Well, Aziz Ansari said something on Mark Maron's podcast, the WTF, that I thought was great about the internet and negative comments that you'd find. He goes, go to the thing that you love the most, and I just remember something. I think, okay, this is unflappable. Eddie Murphy, Ice Cream Man. Right. Who could not? Like that. That is right. I mean, we all agree. Ice yeah. cream. Ice cream. Yeah. You know, you don't got none. So I looked it up. 159 people have disliked it. Even more, whatever. So anything that you love, they're, somebody dislikes. Right. The, the so frozen yogurt industry people go on there. It's <laughs> <laughs> all Pinkberry. What are you, your wife and the? Uh... She. I don't, it's just like she. It's like she escapes. Into like Bloomingdale's.com and NeimanMarcus.com and Gucci.com. It's her time away from the kids, pretty much. Or I, I guess that's what it is. Or away from me. Are you looking for her and then you find her in? No, I'm just saying. When I open my computer, I see all this stuff. I'm like, what's what's going on? And like you said, all the sites with the celebrities, and then she'll look at. I guess she'll see the dress and maybe look the dress up. Yeah, exactly. That's what's going on. And then and then who wore the dress better? And I'm mm -hmm. like, 
you know, stuff we don't care about. Anthropology.com, we're on there a lot. I wonder it would be a good experience. kids. It would be a good No, ex- just so that's for my wife looking at stuff for herself. It would be a good Anthropology ex- the store? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you guys were looking at bones. And no, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> Wait a minute. Opposite. Dr. Yeah. Leakey got a website. Nothing, nothing intelligent. It would be a good experiment on. to like clear all that stuff for like a week. Just not, no, no online, no nothing. Just see how it goes. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I, I don't die. know. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. If you know what happens? Great. You know what's great about what Neil's doing and what you're doing is sometimes when you're writing and then you think of something like, let me put a let me put an Etzel in here or whatever, and then you go look up Etzel and you see what it's about, and then you're reading about it, and then you see another word, and yeah. then you go look what that's about, and all of a sudden now you're Lost. on some porn site. Yeah, no. yeah, I go straight from <laughs> Etzel to porn. No, yeah. I just you just get you get carried away, and that's usually what happens to me. Like if I'm writing and then I'm thinking of a word and I can't, you know, either the spelling of the word or what's the word really mean, and then the internet is just too much. I I, I can't remember what it was like to not have the internet. Oh yeah, yeah. and you know I see I took a screenwriting class and the guy. They, they they told us something. They said, when you write, don't have a sensor in your head. Just write. Just sure. like get crap on the page. Get it get, all out. Just right. get it all out. And that's why, like you said, like if you come upon a word, you're not supposed to go, oh, let me look it up. And then, oh, well, let me, you know, exactly like go on that journey. Right. Just yeah, I was, write it. I wrote a pilot with a couple guys uh, three years ago, and we'd make fun of them a lot just for all the misspellings. But he would just sit and go, and right. he didn't care, and he wasn't being stopped. And there was punctuation stuff, and we'd back up and stop him. He's just, we'll fix it later. Let's go, let's go, let's go, yeah. let's go, let's go. Yeah. And that's the way you should do it, because you can have time. All of your lazy time can be spent fixing all of those little mistakes. And that's yeah. why it's good it for writers, I think, it's good to write with a few people, because, or, you know, to whatever, because then you can't sneak off and start... You feel guilty, you know what I'm saying? If I'm, if I'm in a room with a couple other guys and we're all writing... Mm-hmm. I can't go start searching the internet because then they're going to be like, hey, what are you doing, dude? This is our writing time. You know what I'm saying? So it kind of yeah. helps to have that. I really wish we could have internet family, internet rules, because now I don't know what to do. Are your kids on it? Do they play Nick Jr. or anything like no. that? See, my kids are pretty much off it. My son will go to YouTube. My son actually, we were at, my wife was in Mexico with the kids, and I had to go do some shows, and I was away from the family. They were in Mexico, and um, my son got on YouTube in Mexico, which I think my wife, we came home, we called AT&T immediately and said, my son got the phone, we so forgot to shut it off. It was an $800 YouTube oh boy. run. But they go to YouTube, and they'll type in Muppets. If you're a parent, also, that's a fun thing to do if you want to kill some time and go to, there's a thing called Danny Boy. It's one of my favorite videos. It's a Swedish chef, Beaker, and animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they sing Oh Danny Boy. And it probably is. Maybe you can play. Either you can have them sing that. Can you pipe in? Can we close this segment with Oh Danny Boy? And there is some great stuff on there. But I just don't want my kids to get lost. Well, this reminded me of, uh, I guess, our internet was the 976 numbers. Remember those? Hilarious. When those first came out, the bills. I remember, you had friends that were doing that? You did it? I did it. When I first came out, I was like, oh, this is sex phone? I'm going to try this. And and then the oh bill came God. for like $200. My Persian dad, like, what is this 976? <laughs> who are you? Who are we call- is this Iran? This couldn't be Iran. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't know what that oh, is. Oh, I knew that, that that was a big no-no. I feel like I was the most polite, well-adjusted. I do. I I was a well-adjusted <laughs> kid. I just, it was like, oh, it's on the TV. And you're like, oh, that's kind of... Am I like that much a, older than you guys? You guys were kids? It looks like a pretty well, like lady. teenager. I wasn't like 10. I was like, oh, like 13 or something. I think I was in college. No. Chris <laughs> is like, wait a minute. I was married by then. I was if married you stay when up I- watching TV late at night, those are still on the air. 
Right. But also bored? when that when that stuff hey, came out, boy. exactly. Like I didn't realize back then. I didn't realize that it was like that. You weren't talking to that lady. Sure, but right. My um, like Marilyn Martinez used to do those. <laughs> oh, so yeah, funny. she talks yeah. about on stage. There's yeah. a very overweight, now deceased comedian named Marilyn Martinez who used to do be a, a phone sex operator. Yeah. 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 Smooth operator. I was just telling you how we're gonna try to clean up the content, and now we're talking. About <laughs> I say the word sex. Oh, no, I we guess. just talking about that. That's like what people, it was. I've also got some emails where people are listening with their kids in the car. Oh, well, they don't know. I said what six, nice. seven, eight, <laughs> nine. nine. So. Um, she used to do that and it, I don't know. I just, I feel like when your kids get older and older and you got to shut off the internet on their phones because my son, uh, is nine and my buddy's son is 12. My best friend growing up, he looked, he has a cell phone and he looked on his searches and he found, and this is Philadelphia, um, 12, 13, I think just turning 13, how, um, she's like, you know, they're looking up boobs. Oh, of course. You know, yeah, you yeah. know, all that stuff. I used to have to, you know, like there was, I think somebody dug a Playboy out of a dumpster, you yeah. know, or something like that. There right. was no, oh, yeah. but now you can go and you have internet on your phone. It's, um, it's, it's, it's very way accessible. too accessible. <laughs> very <for everybody>. accessible. <laughs> so everybody, you know, you really got to watch out. You got to monitor everything. You got to shut it down. I, I do micromanage, but the internet is something that I will continue to control. I can't let up. You'll be like, that's daddy's site, not hey, yours. Hey, right. yes. Boobs. <laughs> How dare you? Um, <laughs> well, let's listen to some uh, Oh, Danny Boy. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, we are now going to go to some uh, mail, actually. we So we have minivanmen at gmail.com, and people have been nice enough to email us. Please continue to do that. This is a message from Chris uh, in Texas, I believe, uh, talking about, he said, you know, hey, guys, I'm loving the podcast. You all do a fantastic job. Thank you very much. I'm 29, software engineer. I'm trying to figure out what I really want to do with my life and how to break free of the matrix. What crappy jobs did you guys have before doing stand-up? And what was the catalyst in getting you to realize that you needed to quit the BS job and take a uh, plunge into stand-up comedy? Take a plunge. (laughs) Do you want me to try to read that over again? No, just just, uh, the last part. Okay. It's a message from Chris. Uh, Chris writes, uh, what crappy jobs did you guys have before doing stand-up? And what was the catalyst in getting you to realize you needed to quit the BS job and take the plunge into comedy? Uh, how about you, Maz? Did you, um, what did you, you started in Los Angeles. I know this. You know, I, um, I actually originally wanted to get into acting and all that stuff when I was a kid. And then coming from an immigrant family, they were like, no, you can be a lawyer. So I studied. That was your one option? Well, that was, <laughs> that was kind of what they wanted. Lawyer my, my, or doctor. Yeah, right? that's what my parents wanted. So, so I studied, I studied poli sci in college thinking I'd go be a lawyer. Uh, then halfway in college, I decided I wanted to be a professor. So then I got into a PhD program at UCLA to get my PhD in political science. 
And then I dropped out of that and I wanted to go pursue acting. And anyone in uh, in LA who's like started at the bottom with the acting, the, the gigs that are available to you are really crappy. Sure. So I was like, okay, I need a real job. So I got a job working in an advertising agency as an assistant. That's not a bad job. It wasn't bad at all. It was like an office job. I'd go there during the day. And, and then, you got, so you got hired, you, you had a degree and you got hired right away. Well, I had a degree and what I thought was like, oh, I'm from, you know, I, got, I had a degree from Cal and I, and, and I was like, this is like, you know, it's a good degree, good GPA. I thought like, you know, you get a serious job. I got a job basically as a secretary. And then I was like, and then after that, I was answering phones. Actually, when I did the movie Friday After Next, because mm-hmm. what happened was I was at the ad agency, it folded uh, and then they were laying people off. And uh, somebody, after it folded? Uh, no, they were <laughs> laid off there. So when... um. When 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 they laid people, I got laid off, and I got and one of the guys who'd been working there was in another company. He hired me to just be a receptionist, so I'm answering phones. In the middle of that, I get a role for the movie Friday After Next, which was a, my first big like role. So I go and I shoot Friday After Next for two weeks, <laughs> and then I come back to answering the phones because I'm like, I don't know what's gonna happen next. So I answer the phones for another uh, you know few weeks, and then and then got like a commercial, and then it just went from there. And then you quit. And- yeah, then I saw, I mean, it was a, yeah, it was a, yeah, so, yeah, I quit. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, answering phones is easy. But you but, started doing stand-up, you were doing stand-up this entire time that you were I started, working. no, I started doing stand-up when I was 26 years old, and uh, and I was just actually talking to the guy who kind of inspired me to do it, because I was in my mid-20s, I was working at the ad agency, I was hoping to save up some money, enough money, so that by the age 30, I could be a freelance copywriter half the year, and then maybe pursue acting the other half of the year, and he goes, listen, man. He goes, I'm in my 60s at the time this guy was there. And he goes, when I was in my 20s, there were some things I wanted to do. I never got around to doing it. And he's like, if you want to do it, do it now. And this is when I was 26 years old. And I was like, you know what? You're right. So I just went to my boss and I said, look, I'm going to prioritize acting. I'm going to go back into acting classes, start going on auditions, start doing stand-up. And I said, it's not going to affect our, uh, my work yet, but it might down the line. And he was cool enough to let me continue to work there till they laid me off a few years later. Awesome. And then what about you? Well, after I started... Oh, you were, oh, I know this story. You guys both... Uh, this is killing me. What? UCLA. He's right. I'm, UCLA. I'm in the mix. So I started doing stand-up actually on campus. Yeah. They had like a little comedy club, a couple, group of, you know, a couple of guys. and So tell the Suli Seinfeld story. So, okay. A friend of mine named Suli McCullough. Um, Who we'll have on as a guest. He's definitely, a great guy. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. two beautiful kids too, which I'm godparents of. He, uh, Jerry Seinfeld is coming to headline at the show, at the school. At UCLA. UCLA. Okay. And we have our little comedy club. It's like eight little corny dudes and me. Uh, I'm not corny. (laughs) (laughs) And we're trying to figure out, you know, Jerry's right there sitting and then we're all picking straws to see who's going to go first. You know what I mean? And all of us are arguing about not going first because... So I picked the straw. this is when Seinfeld was was killing it. This is Seinfeld, like second season. Huge comic... Uh, you know, the show was starting to, everybody knows who sure. it is. Yeah, yeah, Enough yeah, where he right. had to still go and do a show like this. Not had to, but he was. Right. right. No, it, it, yeah. yeah, but he was, yeah, I guess, yeah, I didn't even right. think about it. But it was in a big old hall. You know right. what, you're right, this was just more the comic Seinfeld with the show about to start. Right. Matter of fact, the show wasn't even out yet, now that I think about it. What, show, what, what year is the show? If know. we were on the internet, we could find out right now. <laughs> um, so, so Seinfeld, huge comic, Letterman, Tonight Show, whatever. We all know who he was. So then I pick a straw, and I'm first. So I'm arguing with guys. Go, hey, man, let me trade you. They're like, no. You know, what about you, man? Come on. You know, I should be closing the show anyway. And so Jerry sees us arguing, and he goes, so why don't you want to go first? I go, you talking to me? 
yeah, why don't you want to go first? I go, well, it's just kind of, I got to go first. The crowd is cold. He goes, but you dictate the pace of the show. And then he gave us this beautiful speech about why you should go first. And after he said the speech, all of them are trying to get my straw from me. Like, hey, man, you know what? I can go first. I'll go first. I'll go first. So I ended up going first. And Suli ended up getting signed with the same agency. Uh, George Shapiro. With George right? Shapiro West. Um, but going back to jobs, I kind of did stand up uh, immediately after college. But it wasn't like I was making money. So I had all these other odd jobs that would allow me to audition, but it wasn't like I had something where I'm going to go and be assistant at this law firm. And then one day I'm going to be a lawyer. It was like, I was a courier here. You know, uh, uh, I was a waiter here. I worked at a shoe store. You know, it was so I made sure I figured out jobs that would make me available to audition and pursue my craft. And one day be on a show called minivan men. Hmm. I was, uh, you know, and, and I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times. I've, I've worked, and I worked for immediately for my parents' family business, always wanted to do stand-up. I think I, I was a salutatorian of my high school class, so I gave a speech. Is that better than valedictorian? It's a step below. <laughs> that means you can talk, but you're not the you're student. Not straight A's. No, not even close. 1B. Dude, I, 1B and the rest C's. <laughs> so what school was this? St. Ignatius College Preparatory for Boys. I In got it just off funny. San Francisco? Yeah. You know Gloria Chen? Oh, I don't know any of oh, okay. the chicks. So I was the last all-male graduating class. So I went in, killed. It was the best feeling of my entire life. Ten years later, I went to go, I think at 26, I went to go watch stand-up and said, I could do this because the guys were horrible. And then the king procrastinator just kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And I was, in the whole meantime, I was working for my parents' family business. So I had this job. My mom cleaned houses when she was, you know, when I was little. And my dad was a teamster. They did scraping money together. And then my mom got a job as a secretary at this company. My mom ended up working her way up. She became, somebody left, she became account manager. And then another, she was head of personnel. Wow. And then she was uh, vice president in charge of staffing or whatever of this company. Okay, moving up. Well, then the guy just decides that he's going to leave the company and sells it. And I think he made some shady dealings. My mom got to buy this business, Judy Madrigal and Associates, for $150,000. She quadrupled it in size immediately. And um, the rest, you know, just I, out of college, people scraping things together, suddenly, and it's a long process, so about about seven years, rich. So from my mom cleaning houses, secretary making $6 an hour, I remember that for sure, and then went to, okay, well, oh my God, we have this company. So I changed my emphasis to personnel as a business major with communications and personnel, and then I went and worked for this family business. So I sort of had this, here's a career and here's a job, and you're supposed to take over this family business. And I was firing people left and right. So that's when my job, we took care of staffing oh, for right. other people's companies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the Terminator. Movie. Yeah. Huh? Up in the air? What's Up in the air. So I was the guy. I was a hatchet man. I've got, I used to go into all these crazy situations and fire people. And I fired over 1,000 people. And I've hired over 3,000 people. And so I've uh, been in all these. I was like a fixer where if and I tell this story, is Vietnamese guys in San Jose didn't know how to go to the bathroom. They were the Hmongs that you saw in the movie Gran Torino with uh -oh. uh, Clint Eastwood. Um, it, the Hmongs have a like a, a a people without a land 
and they helped us in the Vietnam War, and a bunch of them came over to San Jose, California, and they were working in assembly plants. Well, they wouldn't know how to live in apartments, so they put dirt on the floor of their apartment, and they would squat over the toilets. And I got this phone call one day. It's like, Al, we got a problem with the toilets. And he goes, you better just come down here and check it out. And so I drove down. I had to teach a bunch of Vietnamese, Vietnamese guys how to go to the bathroom, appoint a bathroom monitor. So I was just a guy. People got in a fist fight. I came down to talk about it rather than call the cops. I told them exactly what was going to happen, how we were going to work this out. So I became this guy who was just, let's solve some problems. And so I just, the phone would ring and the craziest, we had 3,000 employees out at one time. Stuff, I was, there was fires everywhere. So-and-so was showing up late. So-and-so over here got in a fight with Mary. This is all again. on the Judy yeah. Magical's company? This is all, yeah. So I'm the eldest son in this family business, and I'm driving around a car, you know, with a suit and a Red Bull, you know, right when those came out. I loved them. So I would uh, just, you know, take care of everything. I used to play gangster rap before I'd walk in and fire somebody. Hilarious. And um, Anyway, I did that for years, and I was miserable. And so then that. I start doing stand-up comedy. I'm sorry. It's, uh, it's like Al Madrigal, you hire him, we fire him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I started doing stand-up just to balance things out. I was taking stained glass classes. I volunteered for the Big Brothers and Big Sisters. But again, somebody always told me I should do stand-up, and I had that one thing. And I always loved stand-up comedy, like I, you know, Seinfeld, horrible student, but that Seinfeld book that when it mm-hmm. came out was the first thing, first episode of Seinfeld. I thought was just the most amazing thing I've ever seen. So I just always loved TV and stand-up comedy and short attention span theater and um, did it. And then it just sort of took off. But I shot a TV pilot and went back to my job the next day and firing people just because there was the uncertainty. And I think you have to... So the Ortegas? Go out. Yeah, I did the Ortegas uh, pilot with Cheech. Cheech and Chong was my dad. But I was just doing stand-up. I was killing myself. I was working 70 hours per week. I had a newborn... I was doing sketch comedy, and I was trying to do as much stand-up as I possibly could, and I was exhausted. I was still firing people. I remember going out into a comedy club, Rooster Tea Feathers in Sunnyvale, looking out in the audience and seeing three people I had just recently fired. Hilarious. Center crowd and the right, and I was just (laughs) waving to them. Nothing I said was funny at all. Uh, So I just fired these guys. Wow. So I just say, I think what you have to do is you have to find out what makes you happy and then support yourself at the same time, which you did with the advertising agency and which you did with a variety of jobs. And then you can transition from being an amateur to a professional. And you're never, you're never too, too old to go for it. I mean, no matter what it is in life, I remember seeing that's not true. 32. Uh, no, I'm not talking about stand up. I'm talking about, I'm talking about about anything in life. I remember there was a, there was a lady on, uh, on PBS. This lady was like 90 years old. And she was talking about at 50 when the kids were all gone and everything was done. She started uh, doing, she'd always wanted to do uh, like ceramics and vases and stuff. And she started at 50. And by the time she was 90, she was like a world-renowned artist. Like people, like people were buying her stuff left and right. Sure. So, I mean, whoever's out there. Just took 40 years. Go for <laughs> it. From. Just do it, man. It. <laughs> do and now love. they buried her in one of her vases. There you go. <laughs> the ashes are there. <laughs> So, yeah, it's just uh, everybody has the bad jobs. But you just got to have the guts to sort of take the leap out. How did you end up, because uh, you got success fast, right, on Vibe? Didn't you? Didn't that it come seemed you? fast, but I was already in, in I guess, seven years. Oh, seven years seven, in the game. Seven, eight years, that. yeah. Oh, I was okay. doing it, and then um, it happened. But I was, you know, I did extra work. 
I was a PA, you know, so I, I tried to align myself with industry stuff, but still my whole goal was to audition and eventually, you know, get my own show. Yeah, Jay Leno has a great line about being uh, seven years as a, it takes you seven years to go to law school. Or saying, you know, you go to college, lawyer, you go to law school and become a lawyer. And then it takes you another seven years to become a good lawyer. So it's the same thing with comedy. You know, it takes you that long. Sorry, when I was 28, I'm in year 13. I'll, I'll get better. And I think in a year, I'll, I'll find my way. But it's, yeah, I'm on year 13 of doing stand-up. And you're... I think it's 20. Ish. Wow. Ish. Any, I don't, when do you count? Are you talking about the first day you got a check or the first day you touch the stage in a microphone? First day you touch the stage in a microphone. Yeah, we're talking 88. And then also, first day you went, when did you go professional? When that means start, no jobs. No job, just stand-up acting. I guess around 91, 92. Wow. I count it as I count it as when you decided, like what you were saying, like when you decided to go and do it and continue to do it. Yeah, because eighty eighty seven, that was in college. You know, I I would host the shows for the fraternities, and if Public Enemy came to our school, I was the guy who hosted, or MC Hammer, or you know, that I hosted those shows. But pure stand up, like that kid, ladies like that when you hosted what? when you hosted like Public Enemy, and you're the guy. Oh hosted. yeah, it made me look good. You have access to backstage as well. It's true. Yeah. The That's man. the best part. Is uh, <laughs> I still love that. I mean, we walked in yesterday. I did, I actually did a big show with Daniel Tosh. Did nine thousand. It was last night. There was nine thousand uh, people at nine thousand people. This guy gets out. Yeah, at this Honda Center, and then just walking backstage, you know, all passed out, all at, you know. I love that. It's um, I love 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 what I'm doing and the job, and I can't get enough of it. And uh, and so that's you got to find that thing. That, guy, that guy hates us right now. The guy that hit us, the middle-aged white yeah, guy. The email, <laughs> the email, the email. Yeah, I like it, guys, but you got the your rich, multicultural fellas. All right. Um, All your passions. Yeah, and uh, work really hard, I guess. Oh, there's a great book I want to tell you about. Um, it is called The War of Art. I'm not sure if I mentioned it. Stephen Pressfield, and that'll help you out uh, from what we talked about the before. The War of War the War of Art? War of Art, oh, okay. Stephen Pressfield. And... Um, it's uh it'll keep you focused and get you there. It's a good book. All right, here you go. All right, folks, thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch or find out more, you can go to minivanmen.com or contact us through our websites. There's thechrisspencer.com, mazjobrani.com, and almadrigal.com. We hope to hear from you. Thanks. <laughs>